0: Amen, brothers and sisters, amen. That same power, that's something to never forget. That same power lives in us. It's a little bit of what we're gonna talk about today. Another thing, the song right before that, Lord, I Need You, it's so cool to think. I could, I could still see like it was yesterday. My cousin Tim Whitmer sitting back there, the second row from the back, singing that song the day before he went home. I can could, I could see it, I've got it right, it, like it was yesterday. Like, and, and to think about that right now, This is, right now, a life for all eternity free from the presence of sin. Imagine that. Just worshiping. No worrying about sin, job, work, ball games here, there, wherever. Just all of that. It's incredible. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. (laughs) We didn't have a whole lot of... Um, I should have stood up and done this during a praise and sharing as you're turning. I'll share this story real quick. Yesterday, Rose and I and, and Katie were working at, at the house in Washington, and the register vents were just filthy. I mean, filthy doesn't even get it. So I told Rose, I said, I could just take these to a car wash. Let's go to the car wash. and So I ran down to the car wash on oh, 57 South, just a little ways from uh I never kinda before Davies County Tire. And I was in there and I took them all out of the trunk and I washed the car too while I was at it. But I mean just the filth and grime I got off there, that'd be another sermon in itself. But there was a a young guy outside and it was funny to think most most people might think, man, just a just a thug, you know? He had his hair kinda of up and I don't know I don't know what you call him. These things he was and he has music, you know, pretty loud and he was washing his car. And I just, you know, most of you know me pretty well, I'll talk to anyone, literally anyone. <laughs> And I went out there, and I just said, hi. And, I mean, you should have seen his face. He was a uh, Haitian guy. His face just lit up. He's like, hi. And we're going to talk about judging today and different things. So he was playing a song from 1987 back when I was in high school. That's all we'll say about the song. Anyways. I was like, this is my, one of my absolute favorite songs ever. He's like, oh, really? I'll turn it up. And I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. And we visit, just visited with him a while. And I said, this, this thing came out 30 years ago. And we just shared, talked about his car and whatnot. And I had to get back to my work and, and him to his. But as I was leaving, as I was driving out, he was over here by the, the vacuum cleaners, kind of over on the side. And I, was, and I kind of peeked out my, looked out my window. And um, I had my window down, and he was over there. And he was in the car in the front cleaning, but he, I saw him kind of look. And I waved, and it was like, this is what I saw. I waved out the window. You know, this is what I saw. He was in his car, and all of a sudden, he's like. <laughs> I mean, just. Mary Jo Holsopple shared a couple weeks, a month ago, a while ago, about our words and how they affect people and live. And that, I should have stood up and shared this during uh, praise and sharing or prayer requests, and I didn't, but just an encouragement, man. Talk to people. We have the words of God, the power in our, in our lips, in our mouth, to share, just share you share. And it's, I, I should have got his name, should have got a phone number, hope I meet him again someday. But wanted to share that. If you've got in your Bibles, if you're at 1 Corinthians 5, some of you have probably looked at, we're going to talk about verses 9 through 13, but the first part of that is sexual immorality defiles the church. That's your title of this, of this whole chapter. Something else before we get into the Word. Think about, be thinking about this, or maybe get something in your mind. What is one of or the most taken out of context, or applied wrong verse, or verse, probably possibly a couple, that you've ever heard throughout your lifetime? Think about that as we, we'll get into that, that'll be later on, but be thinking about that a little bit. What is a verse from the scripture that you've heard? Maybe there's several, I've got, I've got one in my mind when I, so that's kind of a little bit of homework as we're, as we're going through this. 1 Corinthians 5, I'm going to start with verse 9. Anytime we're talking about the church in Corinth, it's pretty safe to say we can think about, man, a mess, a mess of a church, but that's why God, Paul, that's why God sent Paul to Corinth. If you remember, Corinth was a seaport, a huge bustling city 2,000 years ago, and Paul, God sent Paul there specifically to take the Bible there and to take the word of uh, the gospel there. But oftentimes we think of it. This church was had a lot of a lot of things going on. But you know what? Sin is sin, amen. Sin is sin. All sin is black before God. Whether the consequences look far more evil or devastating here on earth or whatever, sin is sin. Period. End of story. Granted, we have different consequences. We know that. Verse nine. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral. People, let's stop there. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Paul had written a previous letter, obviously, because he's written this, to the church in Corinth telling them not to associate with the immoral. So he had wrote a previous letter. He says this. We have only two letters in our Bible, two letters to the church in Corinth. That's all we have. And obviously, right now, we're in 1 Corinthians so, let put it this way, brothers and sisters. We're in the first letter that God put in our Bible. Scholars believe that Paul may have written four or five letters to this church in Corinth over different times about different things they had, different sin issues that they had gotten into. We only have two of those. But Paul is directing attention to this. He's saying, I wrote to you in this first letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Obviously this is, he might have written other things, we don't know, but obviously he wrote to them about that. So the large, the huge factor here was the sexually immoral in the church. Keep that in mind. As we go to the second part of this, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Look at verse 10. Not at all, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of the world. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Not at all the sexually immoral of the world. So we see that the church in Corinth had evidently or obviously misinterpreted his first letter, what his intentions were in that first letter. They had stopped having contact with the unsaved in the world while continuing. they continued on to tolerate the sin Right there in the church. And this is something that's very important, very interesting. To tolerate sin was, in those days, it is today. It's very, very dangerous. Very dangerous to the fellowship. Extremely dangerous. We all, this shouldn't be a newsflash for everyone. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we're all sinners. Unfortunately, we're going to sin until the day we die. We're going to be dealing with that. Don't get confused here at all. We're going to be dealing, that's the key word, to deal with it, to bring it into the light, to repent, and therefore how to apply it to change. Unfortunately, like I said, we're gonna, that's the thing I, I love to share. I love to think about, I, I love to think about my dad, my aunt, my cousin Tim, other people. Can you, in the free for eternity from the presence of sin, it will no longer affect their lives. Think how it affects, how it twists how it destroys our lives. Think of the effects that sin has. Devastating effects. Paul was talking about the sexually immoral within the church. As he says clearly here in verse 10, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world. And notice he includes at the end of verse 10 or 10b if you'd say, or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. Turn with me to John 17. John chapter 17. This is, chapter 17 is one of the chapters during the Last Supper. During the Last Supper that that Christ shared. And the title of this is usually called, here you'll have it if you're look, using an ESV, the High Priestly Prayer. Look with me at verse 15. John 17 verse 15. Fifteen. I do not ask. This is this whole chapter. If you if you have a red letter edition, this whole chapter is in red. The entire chapter is Christ's words. Christ praying for the disciples. Verse fifteen. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Christ's prayer for his disciples, not to take them out of the world. Our desire, our longing, the song that was played right before the service start, Home by Chris Tomlin. Our de- in, in the worst English I can possibly use, this ain't home, folks. This ain't home. If you're a Christian, th- this ain't it. And it never will be. And so many times we try to medicate our, issue, our sin issue with whatever we can to keep us busier, to get more stuff, things, be entertainment, whatever we can. We try to medicate, uh, medicate it a lot of times with that. This isn't home. And Christ says there in verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. If you think about that prayer in context, what those 11 disciples at that time, what they were going to go through in the next years, most of them killed, dispersed from Jerusalem for one reason, so that the message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, could go out into the world. That's why. We all have a job. We all have a task to do. We are in this world and our task is to be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others, with the unsaved. And notice how how Paul how he uses that there and includes many of those other those other sins there in in verse 10. So he doesn't just talk about In that first letter that he brings attention to in verse 9, he was talking clearly about the sin of sexual immorality, but he also includes, or the greedy and swindlers, or idolaters, uh, numerous things he brings out. But then you would need to go, since then you would need to go out of the world. Go out of the world. To get free from the presence of, we're never going to be free from the presence of sin in our lifetime. We never are. Until we're home, in our eternal home, in heaven it's going to affect us and everyone around us. Let's move on to verse 11. Verse 11. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone, look at the next words, who bears the name of brother. But now, in this letter, I'd written to you in my my first letter, now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. So now Paul is bringing, he's fine-tuning it. He's bringing even more clarity to what his intentions were in that first letter, in his previous letter. He was talking about those inside the church. Inside the church. The rest of verse 11. If he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed... Or as an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler. Paul expected, his expectations were, that the Corinthians would disassociate, to be separate with all who said they were brothers, who said they were Christians, but had a consistent pattern of sin. There was no change in their life. He, that, that was his intentions. Now, An application here, very simply put, one's words, as well as one's walk, need to line up. Amen? This is something that's very, very, we don't realize it. It's very, very easy for the world to pick up on that. Very easy. When our walk does not line up with our actions, huge problem. Not only in our life, but for the others in the church. Very important, brothers and sisters. Notice how Paul expands the list. Again, he expands it and includes many other kinds of sinners. And notice the end of this in verse 11 not even to eat with such a one. In those days, the, the meal was a huge, a very big sign of acceptance and fellowship. It was a very important, very important thing. And Paul goes so far as to say, not even to eat with such a one. Turn with me, if you will, to Second Thessalonians, just a few, just a little ways behind Corinthians there. 2 Thessalonians 3, I'm going to look at a, just a couple verses real quick to show, that show this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, and then also 14 and 15. This here, also another, another letter of Paul, this time to the church in Thessalonica. Verse 6. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us here he says to keep away from them to keep away from them and the end of that chapter verse 14 if anyone does not obey what we say in this letter take note of that person and have nothing to do with him that he may be ashamed have nothing to do with him not even eat with them that's how far Paul was taking this. Now, now, careful, careful with this. Look at verse 15. Right after that, 2 Thessalonians 3:15. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Keep in mind, we are all, we are all together in the same boat. We are all together in the, we are all sinners. The key is someone walking in a consistent pattern of sin, not changing their life, there's no change. The That is a big factor. That is a huge factor because we need to be very careful with this. This is something, to be very honest with you, this is something I felt, I, I preached on this in Peru. It's something that convicts me and I need, I need and want to apply it more. It's something that, it, it, how would I put this? It's not really a fun thing to preach on. It's, it's difficult. This is because Paul hits pretty hard with these things. We're going to pause for just a second in Corinthians. Now, go back to, remember my question at the very beginning, my earlier question. What is one of the most misquoted or taken out of context verses that you can think of in the Bible? What's one of them? Just keep thinking of that. Again, I want to give you one example of something that happened, that happened to me. From This is from Facebook, social media. Be careful with social media, folks. It can be, yeah. And if anybody remembers the climate last September, October, November, a <whistles> lot of political stuff going on. Facebook was pretty hot. Let's just put it like that. I had a friend from my home church in Michigan, And she has very different political views than than I do and and ideas on certain things. And, anyways, she had opened up what she had put on Facebook. And you guys probably know more about this than me because we were 5,000 miles that way in Peru. But if you remember, there was a story of when now Vice President Mike Pence was governor here in Indiana. There was a lady in Indianapolis. I'm going to say cult. I don't even know what kind of church it was. It was some kind of cult to be allowing this. She beat her child with a coat hanger and then tried to use biblical scripture for, you know, the rod and those things. I mean, this is what, and, and I was right away typed to this guy. I said, come on, you're using a store. I mean, that is complete. I wouldn't even call that person a Christian to be doing that. She beat her child with a coat hanger and then tried to use the Bible. And there was other people that had chimed into this, and this thing was getting all, oh, boy. Let me give you an example of verse taken out of context. A person that, I'm not going to mention names, but you all know from around here, great, great lady, wonderful lady. I'm not going to mention names. She wrote on there, what, what's going on? Do you not believe this? And then she put, the Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. I read that, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> the Bible does not say that, folks. The Bible does not say that. And I was like, and I mean, my friend from Michigan, she was on it like a fly on a dead rabbit. I mean, she was like, boom, prrr, I mean, you can see her typing away, and it was like, no, the Bible does not say da 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 da. And the rod is not, is not supposed to be used as a form of, of something to punishment or to give corporal punishment. It's supposed to be used to sheep. And, and I'm just like, I'm down there in Peru, like, oh, uh, wow. An example this is another, another sermon for another time, but we need to know the Bible, folks it is vitally important because the minute I saw that and I'm like, i like I want to learn and know more about the Bible Thank, praise the Lord for my knowledge of the Bible now and for reading I love that I, we all need to expand our minds with the Bible but the minute she put that I was like oh no because if you know the verse is Proverbs 13 24 anyone who spares the rod hates his child but he who is diligent to correct and it goes on but right away, the, spare the rod, spoil the child. Is like, oh, man, here we go. And sure enough, it just, another firestorm erupted from that. So two takeaways from that. Be very careful on social media. Know your Bible. Uh, two big things from there. But getting back to Second Corinthians, verse most often misquoted or taken out of context. In my life, one verse I have heard, probably a lot of you have too, more than any other verse. Turn with me to Matthew 7. Matthew chapter 7, the final chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, when Christ was giving the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe some of you have thought about, when I asked that question, maybe some of you have even thought about this verse. But this, for me, personally, this is the one I've heard taken out of context more often than not. Matthew 7, verse 1. Judge not that you not you be not judged. Don't judge me. Who are you to tell me anything? Don't judge me. You're a sinner too. Anybody else? For me, there's no question. What ver- taken, taken, uh, taken out of context, just horrifically. Judge not that you not be judged. Be not judged, excuse me. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. and with the, And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I want to take just a moment to read a, a part of a commentary. One of my favorite Bible scholars, I like to read what he, his opinion on things a lot. John MacArthur. And what John MacArthur says about Matthew 7, 1. As the context reveals, this does not prohibit all types of judging. Look at verse 16. Matthew 7, look across the page or wherever it is there in your Bible at verse 16. You will recognize them by their fruits you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So this does not prohibit all types of judging because we will know people by their fruits. There is a righteous type of judgment we are supposed to exercise with careful discernment. If you're taking notes at all, you can write down John. You don't have to turn there with me. I'm going to read it quickly. John 7, verse... 24. John 7, verse 24. Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. And back in Matthew 7, verse 16, you will recognize them by their fruits. As Christians, we should be known for our fruit, our work. What we do. When someone is possibly not invited to a certain meeting with other businessmen, and you hear, you know, you hear, No, that's, that's one of the most dishonest businessmen around. And he sits out there with those Mennonites and thinks he's righteous. Problem. Huge problem. Big problem. I've heard that. I've heard that in a couple months since we've been back. I've heard those very words. It's a conviction thing for me that you know, with a lot of prayer and discernment, need to go talk to someone, obviously, but heard that that very thing I just told you sits out there, the, and the way the facial expression sits out there with those, this person didn't know where I it was awesome. this person didn't know where I go to church. went to church, sits out there with those Mennonites and thinks they're holy, did that. Sits out there with those Mennonites. Does that bother you? It should. It should bother you as a Christian, in a righteous way. It should. Cause a little, man, wow. Ooh, it's bad. Now, moving on in MacArthur's commentary, one more thing. Censorious, hypocritical, self-righteous, or other types of unfair judgments are forbidden. But in order to fulfill the commands that follow, it is necessary to discern dogs and swine. Look in verse 6. We're still in Matthew 7. Look in verse 6. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. It is necessary to discern dogs and swine from one's own brethren. Look back at verses 3 to 5 here. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? Christ was talking about First, take the speck out of your eye, then you'll see clearly. Because as the body of Christ, we are supposed to be edifying one another, praying for one another, lifting each other up, working with one another. These are the things we're supposed to be doing. Talking to one another, bringing pride. I believe our pride is kind of like Paul wrote about money. It is a root or almost the root of all kinds of evil because our pride gets in the way. Our pr- we worry about the response of another person. The thing to remember, I've, I've touched on it already this morning, we're all in the same boat. We're all sinners. We all have sin in our life. We all have. And the one thing, the biggest thing the enemy doesn't want is that sin, whatever that sin is, brought out into the light he wants to keep it in the darkness that is his keep it in the darkness, keep it hidden keep it behind closed doors don't share to anyone about it don't share with anyone about it wow they're going to think bad of you and he kind of works on our pride we don't want anybody really thinking bad of us you know another story of another application with this verse we went a bible study one time and a young man got a chair, got a folding chair. Took it in the middle of the room, and he said, I just want you all to lay, lay hands on me. I am, I am struggling, struggling and losing the battle with pornography in my life. I mean, took the chair, brought it in the middle of the room. I want you all to lay hands on me and pray for me. I want you to help keep me accountable. I want you to speak into my life. Pray for me. Brought the sin into the light. When we were done, I, I took him aside and, and told him, I said, You know what? We have a phone number. It's a Washington cell phone number through Skype in Peru. You call me any time of the day or night. doesn't matter. I I want to pray for you, help, help hold you accountable, and help edify you. That is the very thing the enemy does not want. He wants our sin hidden in the darkness. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians and get into these last couple verses. 1 Corinthians 5... Verse 12, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? Paul's intentions never, never were for himself nor the church to be judges of those outside the church. Those outside the church are for evangelism, witnessing, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. There, there is a difference a big difference that sometimes, I've caught myself doing this, sometimes we want to play Holy Spirit. Like, well, they should be doing this, that, and the other. Yeah, maybe they should in your opinion. Is your opinion going to ever draw them any closer to Christ? No. It might draw them closer to you. That's kind of the def- definition of legalism, if you will. When you get into legalism, that's all legalism really does is draws a person closer to the one doing the, making up the rules. Truly really all it does. Sure, it needs to be this length. The this. "And there are verses. There is importance of modesty. Why not teach someone the gospel? Present the good news to them. After conversion, allow the Holy Spirit to work." And I'm don't think in any way I'm preaching like I know this. I, I'm conve- I've played Holy Spirit before, you know. And it's just for the. It's a dangerous place for us to be as a church. We are too. Is it not those inside the church? Whom you are to judge. But we think of, so many times we think of judging, church discipline, those things. It, it has a, usually when you hear those words, it has a negative connotation. We kind of think of that, Well, hang on, what's going on? It shouldn't. Unfortunately, it does, because so often it's done in an incorrect way. It should not have a negative, a negative implication, because it should be done in a Helpful, brother to brother, two people walking alongside restorative way. That's the other thing, as far as looking at <coughs> excuse me relationships, that's where it is so important for us to be working in and speaking truth in each other's lives. And sometimes it's not easy. I've two, two applications I can make in my own life with two people. One was a guy named John McMahon in Ch- when I was in China teaching. And this guy, I mean, there's several times he told me stuff that I didn't really want to hear. You know, I was 24, 25. I knew most of what I needed to know. You tell me anything, you know? And I look back on those times now, and I even realized it then, too. He cares about me, he's speaking truth into my life. Another one you guys know very well, my best friend, Brian Knapp. I mean, there's times, what are you doing? He'll ask me. You need to, you need to get your head on straight. And it's like, but I know he is my friend and my brother in Christ. He is telling me that to help me. And that's the thing, like, so important relationship in the church, where you have that relationship with another man, another woman, brother or sister in Christ, and that openness to share, to look for that, to purify the church. Because our life here, we are, God is preparing us for eternity. Amen? He is preparing us for eternity and working that in us, something that is so important yet so lacking. Verse 13, God judges those outside. Very simply, verse, the last verse there, God judges those outside. Again, those on the outside, they are for us to evangelize, to witness to, to share the good news. They're for God to judge, for us to evangelize and God to judge. God judges those outside. And this last part here in quotations, in the end of verse 13, it is a quote from Deuteronomy 17, verse 7. In Deuteronomy, God was laying out all the rules through Moses. In Deuteronomy seventeen seven, Paul is quoting that verse here at the end of 13. Purge the evil person from among you. This is the thing. As a church, that's why you you notice the title, church or social club, which is it? Sometimes we have to think about that because we have church around the world. It's, it's, It's a trick of the enemy. He has made church so much a spectator sport, kind of like a football game, basketball game, baseball game. Come to church on Sunday. Yep. Good. Nothing else really the rest of the week. That is a trick. That is what the enemy desires to do. Folks, we have work to do. There is work that God has given us to edify, to purify, to lift up in a restorative manner. And after that, if there is still no change in the person, that is when verse 13 might come into effect. Purge the evil person from among you. Just a consistent, after someone has been, has been approached, talked to, prayed for, after, after all, whatever means have been exhausted because the number one goal should be restoration, amen? Should be restoration. A brother or sister walking alongside us in the same path, doing the same things. I just encourage you, some, some practical application. Prayer, of course, is one thing, but and we often prayer is important don 't get me wrong, but we need to take action aside from prayer too be looking for someone maybe not maybe it 's not a person from this church doesn 't have to be it'd be probably be a good thing if it was as well looking for someone to speak life to speak truth into your life to tell we should desire man tell me if i 'm getting off track if i'm if i 'm if my life is getting, if there's something, you know, that I don't see. Some, our goal should be more and more self-awareness. How am I appearing to others? How am I presenting myself to others? Sometimes we can not be very self-aware. Things like that. Very important to be looking for a brother or sister to have this kind of relationship with. Open, restorative, judging. Judging, yes in a right way, in a correct manner with the goal of restoration, as Paul says. But very clearly here from, from 1 Corinthians 5 and also Matthew 7, we are, we are supposed to judge within the church, within the body of Christ. We are supposed to be getting rid of our sin and wanting, desiring to live a more holy life, Amen it should be our desire if not it really is just you know kind of a social club kind of an event we come to and do and that's not what god had intended for the church capital c the body of christ in the world let's pray dear heavenly father thank you so much for your word thank you for the opportunity we have to look into your word and investigate your word And get deeper into your word and also in a positive way, Lord, Father, to get into the lives of others, of other believers. And as well, the other application here is those outside the church, we are supposed to be witnessing to, evangelizing, speaking life, speaking your words into their life. Dear Father God, I pray that you would help Providence and, and other churches other churches all over, dear God, to be doing this, to be looking for transparency, if you will. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. And even though, help us to not look at, at sin with, I know I've done this, and many of us have, with, we look at the consequences or how big of a deal it is here on earth. Sin is sin in your eyes, Father God. No matter what the consequences are, it is sin and you are completely pure and holy Hence the reason you sent your son to die on the cross and pay that penalty for us. And I just pray that you would help us, help us to hate our sin the way you hate our sin, dear Father God. Help us to be looking for others to speak life into, to talk with, to edify, to lift up, to pray for, to help walk alongside, dear God, in this walk, in this life that you have put us here for. I just pray for, just just burn this desire, burn this desire in us and the the leading, by the leading and prompting of your Holy Spirit, Father God. Just thank you for the privilege we have studying your word freely and openly. And I just pray for this body of believers that you would just be using us in a mighty way for your kingdom, Father God, for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.